When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On today's podcast, I'll be joined by our Bucks writer, Eric Name, after the Pacers' loss in Milwaukee. We discuss the matchup, the Bucks' success this season, what it's like covering the best team in the league, a team that is on pace for 70 wins. That and more on this episode of the Fieldhouse Files. And welcome into another episode of the Fieldhouse Files. I'm Scott Agnes, and I just made the trip back from Milwaukee where the Bucks once again handled the Pacers. And when Giannis plays and they're at full strength, that's just a tough, tough team to play. And in all three of the previous meetings won by the Bucks, the Pacers have lost by 19 or more every single time. The Bucks have Giannis, the top-scoring offense, the best defense in the NBA, and again are on pace for 70 wins. And I still don't think they're talked about. So that's one reason I wanted to do this podcast with our Bucks writer, Eric Name. Now, before that loss, the Pacers had won six of their last seven games, including four in a row. And while they weren't necessarily against playoff teams, a couple have been on the road at Cleveland and at San Antonio. And more than anything, they are battered. This team is a mash unit at this point. And so the fact that even without Victor Oladipo the last couple of games, without Jeremy Lamb and other players going in and out of the lineup, in and out of the rotation, they're still able to pick up wins and still very possible for them to win 50 games. Now, before we go any further, I do want to pause for a brief moment to ask you Pacer fans to ask our loyal listeners to click into the show notes for today's episode and then follow the link that's there to a very short survey with an emphasis on short. You get to know myself, you get to know Dave and some of the guests on this podcast, but we don't know anything about you and we want for that to change. It's a simple survey that will be done quicker than you can scroll Instagram or look for the latest injury report. So head to our show notes for today's episode and click on the link. We always love to hear from our listeners, so this is one way where we can get feedback from you, and uh, do note that it will be taken into consideration for guests, for things you like, things you don't like. We appreciate that open and honest feedback. Now for our one big question of the week. It's whether the Pacers can follow Nate McMillan and what he wants to see, and that is establish. It's the buzzword. It's the word of choice for Nate because they failed to do that. Nate wants to see them come out. He wants to see them get stops, make opponents feel them, and not allow them to get out on the run. We just saw the Bucks rattle off 37 fast break points. So it starts on the defensive end and then carries over to that offensive end, and it's also imperative that they hit shots early, something that they haven't done over the last several games. And so instead, they've fallen behind by double digits. They've dug themselves holes. A couple times they'll climb out of it only to fall back, and that's that's just not what you want to be. That's not where you want to go, especially if you want to become that championship contending team like the Pacers do. So that was always an emphasis, and it continues to be one. But my big question for this upcoming slate of games is will they follow coach's lead will they establish themselves here in their next few games because if they don't a slide might continue and that's something they can ill afford at this point the most crucial part of their season just 20 games left 
A reminder to subscribe to the Fieldhouse Files podcast on Apple Podcasts, or you can do it wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it be Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify. And if you follow along, if you click that button to subscribe, you'll always be alerted when our latest episode's out. So you're going to be ahead of the curve if you do that. After the Pacers' loss in Milwaukee on Wednesday, I sat down with Eric Name, our Bucks reporter in the interview room, and we talked about the two teams. We talked about Malcolm Brogdon, who spent the last three seasons in Milwaukee. Now he's dealing with so many injuries as he tries to lead this Pacers team with Victor in and out of the lineup. And we also discussed what Indian native George Hill has been up to. All right, as promised, I bring in Eric Name, the beat reporter for us, covering the Milwaukee Bucks. You got a fun beat this year, having in the last couple of years covering number one and MVP, the star of the league, but also right now the best team in the league. What has that been like for you? As it, it's got to be a lot of fun, but at the same time, when you go to other cities, I bet it's, it becomes more of a challenge, like the New York's, for example. Right? No, it's it's interesting because I mean, this Bucks team is just really good. Uh, there's there's really no doubt about it. They're they're incredibly good, but they just kind of play the same all the way through. Like they, everything they do is kind of underlined by having the best rim defense we've seen in I don't know how long. Maybe in the not quite the history of the game, but pretty close. Like they they just don't let people score at the rim. So that means on the nights that they lose, it some team probably shot 40% from the three-point line. Like, that's just how this works. It seems like that's what it's going to take. A team has to have a strong night from beyond the arc, a successful night, and that's one of the rare nights that they're going to have a night off. Yeah, I mean, whether it's shooting 40% from three or it's shooting a whole bunch of threes, like, you're going to have to do something from behind the line. Uh, So it's, it's, it's been interesting because this team is so good, but... It's also boring at times because they win in the same way. They lose in the same way. Uh, everything is really steady. They've, in the two years that Bud has been here, they've turned into a Belichick-esque kind of place where uh, there's never revenge games. Like So earlier this year, they lost to the Pacers. The Bucks weren't thinking about that tonight. Like, they didn't care. Like, they just, their goal every single day is to get better. Totally every, different circumstances. Every single day. So it, it is literally, that is that is their sole concern. That is all they care about is just getting better every day, which works really well for a team that plays great basketball. Like, any short-term motivation payback uh they lost their last game um has there been any drama because i can't remember no and uh, i mean outside of the the big thing that most people try to avoid but where's Giannis going is he gonna stay but outside of that has there been anything no and i mean even that like Giannis said at the start of the year it'd be disrespectful to talk about my teammates in any sort of way during the season and people have asked since then but it's the same answer like when we went out to san francisco in the chase center question gets asked and you know he, he'll either play it aloof where he's just like uh, i don't know what you're talking about oh the warriors want like the warriors fans want me here like what are you what are you talking about and it's just like well obviously you know like like everyone knows what what they're talking about or it just says you know it's disrespectful to talk about my teammates like that like we're trying to do something right now so i'm not going to talk about it and that is uh believe it or not a better way to go about it than Kyrie irving what used to go about it than kevin durant used to go about it Kyrie like, was laughable the fact that they created a commercial around yeah of course i'm coming back right Right. So the, the Bucks haven't done any of that. Giannis hasn't done any of that. So that part is easy. Uh, I mean, even last year, uh, December 1st of last season, uh, they go to New York. 
they lose in overtime. Chris Middleton gets benched in the fourth quarter, and the problem was they weren't him and Bud weren't seeing eye to eye on the offense and how this worked and changing roles and all that. And this year, that they've never had anything like that. Like there's there's never been anyone getting benched. There's been no questions about roles. The starting lineup has been the same the entire season, aside from injuries. And when there's an injury, essentially Dante Divincenzo just steps into the lineup unless it's Brooke Lopez's that's out. Then oh, his twin brother steps in. So like literally as vanilla as you could be, that's kind of what this team is. You know, I've I've told people a couple times I would love for this team to have a Draymond Green. That'd be great. Like if if one if they just had a player that wanted to say. We're the best effing team in the world, and it doesn't matter what you guys do. You can't beat us. That'd be great for me, but that's just not how this team operates. Like They are very much about their business, and they all believe in the bud idea of we just try to get better every day, and that makes for incredibly boring quotes, but ultimately with a team this talented, it makes for a really good basketball team. The thing that stands out to me immediately beyond Giannis is it's the defense. And one, how different it is, how it's basically offering up. Go ahead, take those threes. We're going to take away the middle and those sorts of things. And the, the development of Brooke Lopez, I think, has been outstanding. And again, it goes back to the opponent has to shoot well from three. Pacers are not a good three-point shooting team. They're the lowest volume shooting three-point team in the league, and so every time Giannis has been available, they've been mostly at full strength. Pacers now have lost this season 19-28, and tonight again by 19 points. It, the defense is just so impressive to me because you you look at this team, you look at all defensive team members last year in Giannis and Eric Bledsoe. Bledsoe was second team. Giannis finished second in defense player of the year voting. So that's where the credit goes. But if you listen to them, I mean, Eric Bledsoe won't shut up about it. Like he, he literally, if you bring up the defense, he's going to tell you Brooke Lopez should be defense player of the year. No matter what, no matter what, way you bring up the defense he will tell you that and the reason he believes it is because what Brooke does allows them to do everything all the cool stuff Giannis does whether that's coming from the backside for a block whether that's getting the passing lane for a steal uh pressuring on the ball whatever it may be he can do that because they have a seven foot 280 pound mountain sitting at the rim and the thing that Bledsoe will, will always stress is that he doesn't just sit at the rim. They run this drop scheme that makes people think, okay, Brooke is immobile, and people just start you know, trying to attack him at the rim. But Brooke has gotten a lot better at moving his feet. Uh, the Bucks, you know, sports science team has really worked on his hips. He opens up his hips really well. He moves really well. Uh, he gets you to a spot where you're going to have to make a decision, pass it or shoot it. And in that moment, he's so long and he's figured out the footwork in this defensive scheme that he's going to contest it. Like there's a bunch of shots that he doesn't block that just don't go in because you can't get it over the top of him. You can't get a good look. So I'm really curious to see how voting goes this year. I don't know. Uh, To me, it's very clear that Brooke Lopez should be second team center, if not first team center over Rudy Gobert. I don't think that's going to happen because the precedent has been set that that's Rudy Gobert. I was just going to say that's exactly what we've we've seen historically. I didn't have Rudy as my defensive player of the year last year. In fact, I had Giannis over Rudy, who I don't think even was, yeah, my second team center at all. But that that's kind of what his claim claim has been now the last several years. So I think that's that'll be the case. He'll, he'll be the first team defensive center, which is, is totally fine. He's deserved it. He's very uh, he's a very good defensive center. But Brooke Lopez, I think, if if all is right in the world, uh, 
if the Bucks have their way and Eric Bledsoe has his way, um, I, I have an article coming out here in the next couple weeks. Where, I like it a little tease. Uh, Brooke sat down with me for 25 minutes and broke down film. Uh, yes. So we're going to have a straight-up video breakdown of him kind of taking you through it. So that's going to be really fun. Uh, but, you know, like, I think if – it's tough to get people to think of Brook Lopez as a good defender because I think there's been so much time in his career where he's been seen as a mobile. He, when he was with the Lakers and the Bucks signed him for uh, $3 million last year, it was, okay, well, he could help out your offense, but you know, defensively, like, you're just not going to get anything out of Brook Lopez. He's a liability. Such a great cron- contract, though. It was a great contract, and obviously they've signed him an extension now. But like he's proven that he is definitely a, a hugely impactful defensive player, and we'll see if if everyone if the whole league is kind of caught up and if everyone kind of recognizes it. But I mean, the Bucks defense is built around that. Like he is the best rim protector in the league. And then oh by the way, if you get past him, they have the other best rim protector in the league, Giannis, ready to just swat anything. Yeah, right. And oh, by the way, they also have Chris Middleton in with his six foot ten arms playing the passing lanes. Oh, they also have Eric Bledsoe, who's fantastic as a defensive player. Oh, they also have Wesley Matthews, who understands the the team scheme. Dante Divincenzo, who's one of the best in the passing lanes in the entire league. Like you just go d- up and down this roster, and it is defensive talent all over the place. They've put it together in a. a a really smart scheme, uh, one that, as you said, runs contrary to popular belief. Like, oh, don't don't give up threes in the Bucks. Uh, Bud hates it, absolutely hates it. He gets this question at least once a road trip about, hey, you know, you, you've built this defense where you're okay with giving up threes, and he he'll get mad. He'll just be like, I don't know why people think we're happy giving up threes. We're not happy giving up threes. But what we've decided is that the rim is more important, and that's what we want to defend. Uh, so High percentage shots. It makes total sense. Absolutely. Um, but obviously it leads to some variance, and 40% night from three-point line for another team. All of a sudden you're looking at a close game for the Bucks. thing that stood out to me uh, tonight, we're recording after the final final four meetings between the Pacers and Bucks was the fact that Sabonis usually overpowers his opponent, usually has his way inside. We saw that a, a couple days ago in San Antonio. Well, they were down a couple of bigs, the centers. But tonight against Brook Lopez, I mean, right away, he'd, he'd get into his move, turn face, and have nowhere to go. And nearly every time had to turn out and throw, um, throw it along the perimeter. And I think in part that contributed to the Pacers' slow starts in the first and third quarters because a lot of times they want to run it through Domas and get those easy buckets to get a rhythm going. Brooke is just real. I mean, he just swallows up plays, and uh, Sabonis is not alone in that. It, it doesn't matter if you're a guard, or if you're big. He just swallows you up. And I think the the thing tonight that you look at those six turnovers for Sabonis, and a lot of the times it was swallowed up by Brook, but then also on top of it, they really play the passing lanes and are really daring you to kick it out. And then all of a sudden, oh, there's a hand that pokes the ball away. There's a guy digging down there. Yep, Correct. reaching in and while I, you're trying to instinctively make a decision. And while you're trying to go through the one of the biggest players in the entire league, like the the I think 282 is like the third or fourth biggest player in the entire league. Like You're trying to go through that. You're trying to make a read. And then, oh, by the way, you have – a pack of vicious hyenas like after the ball digging it out and all of a sudden you're in a whole lot of trouble 
One interesting thing I thought was Pacers putting Miles Turner some on Giannis. And as much as you can, he had some success reaching in. I think he forced a couple jump balls, stole it away a couple of times. How much has Giannis seen that type of player um, versus your, your 3 and D type guy? Which the Pacers really, that going into the season, they, they're without that guy. So they've had to work around that. Yeah, I mean, I think I was really impressed with Miles Turner a couple times where Giannis, those zero steps are just so vicious. Like he... No one in, outside of James Harden, no one in the league uses the gather rule, the Euro step rules better than Giannis. Like he 100% knows when to gather it so he gets his full two and a half steps and like he can just abuse people. And we saw it early in the game, he got loose on a Euro step. But for the most part, when he puts that ball down there, his hands are so strong, he's so strong that it doesn't really matter if you get your hands on it. Like he's just going to manage to find a way, power through. And to Miles Turner's credit, like, a couple times he put it down there and Turner just wrapped it up. Like I thought there's a couple like really impressive plays. And again, that's not going to end up being a turnover because uh, it's just going to be a jump ball and maybe you win it and then you get the turnover. Uh, but for the most part, like I thought they did a really nice job with that. And this is something we've seen a bunch lately uh, for Giannis. Charlotte did a really nice job with that going with bigs on him, trying to make it tough, sending double teams a lot. The heat have Bam Adebayo who's, just a monster uh huge shoulders super strong super quick he makes it really tough on us as well so uh last year it was more of a novelty when fives would what would cover Giannis. like there was a stretch at the end of the season where they started to do it a lot and then he scored 44 on rudy gobert and played him off the floor he put 45 on joel Embiid, and like before that before they played the sixers that game I think Giannis said something to the extent of it doesn't matter who they stop. Like it doesn't matter who you put on me, like put a center on me. I'm like, I'm going to dominate. Like it, it really doesn't I love matter. that confidence. Uh, yeah. Like it, it could be a big, it could be a small, put somebody on me. I'm going to dominate. And sure enough, he went out and put 45 on Embiid and the Bucks beat the Sixers in Philly. So he was 100% right. But that is more in line with what he's seen this year. It's not as many 3 and D guys anymore. Typically, if teams can, they'll give size to him uh, on the ball. And then those helpers can be the 3 and D guys. All-star breaks are in the past and teams have their sights set on securing their place in the playoff race. Over in college hoops, teams are jockeying for tournament seeding. So much action, so little time. In DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app can get you right in the middle of all the action. The XFL is back to scratch everyone's itch for some football. So check out the DraftKings Sportsbook app to see what special promotions they're offering on the most extreme league in the U.S. American-made DraftKings Sportsbook is a safe and secure betting app. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. It's no wonder DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook app. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code FAST. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right, DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Don't forget, enter code FAST and get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Indiana only. The bonus is comprised of first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times play through. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. I got a couple of brothers I cover. So do you. What is, what is that interaction like? Are they always walking together, traveling together, waiting for each other? to go to the bus because that's how it is with me, with Aaron and Justin Holiday. They're maybe wearing the same type of clothes and they're going to dinner every night before the game. So the Lopez brothers are 
man, they're interesting dudes. So they're on different sides of the locker room. Okay, and my holiday brother's right next to each other. Right, always. so on opposite ends of the locker room, uh, Robin will keep to himself uh, over in one corner of the locker room. Uh, if people talk to him, he'll talk to them, but he doesn't really say a whole lot. He's just kind of solo over there. Brooke on the other side knows a bunch of the guys. Like after the game tonight, he was joking around with Dante DiVincenzo, Wesley Matthews. Like so, he'll be a little bit more social, a little bit more jovial, uh, and then they've this entire year i know that it's a bit because i've written about them being very close and having many shared interests and they do like to do things together outside of nba buildings let's say uh but if they're in an nba building they typically don't walk in together they don't typically hang out together uh they'll keep up this shtick of not complimenting the other like they'll say like if you ask them i've seen that yeah like you ask robin about brooke he'll say something disparaging about brooke and if you go the opposite way he'll say something disparaging about robin and they'll go back and forth and have these little jabs but we all know that they're close but this is something that they've decided to commit to uh, i don't totally understand the that's bit. fascinating because uh, justin and aaron for me they're inseparable right like, to leave the locker room tonight one's always going to be second and they're waiting on the other right so those two are the exact opposite opposite sides of the locker room walk out at different times and uh tend to like not necessarily congregate like towards each other and hang out a lot so it's it's a little bit different but like they're different dudes and they definitely like enjoy all of that. Like obviously you see Robin beating up mascots. Uh, he's more than happy to play into these fantasies. And that's one thing that I, I think they both enjoy is uh, they're big Disney people. They're big cartoon uh, people. They're big comic book people. Like they enjoy creating their own worlds to be a part of. And that's kind of what they've done in, a, in an NBA locker room, which is just an insane thing to say, but it is absolutely what they do. Uh, one thing I did want to hit on, I'm curious in terms of Malcolm Brogdon. Did he come up in conversations either leading up to this game or after this game? Of course, he left in the second quarter with yet another injury. It's his seventh documented injury of this season. Or is that something now at this point here late in the year, um, this Bucks team, a team that drafted him, obviously, have kind of moved past? Um, I think they moved past it pretty quickly. Unfortunately, they have a reporter like me who insists on getting all of the information about how it went down. So I just had a story come out here at The Athletic about kind of how Giannis reacted when he found out that Malcolm was going to be signed and traded, uh, and then how he recruited Wesley Matthews, how he recruited Kyle Korver. But also, you know, Giannis and I were talking a little bit uh, in the last week about the the lead-up to – Malcolm leaving and kind of how all of this kind of came to be and you know what he was thinking about and he said you know like when I asked him you know like when did you find out that Malcolm wasn't coming back or that Malcolm was being signed and traded like how did you find out he's like honestly Eric I can't remember he's like I I don't know how I found out he was like because Malcolm and I had talked about this so much that I was hearing him think through all of this like we were talking so often that th- it wasn't like like an event it was just like oh th- like it was continuous conversation so like this kind of happened so you know he said with uh, i think like three or four months left in the season they started kind of talking through things uh, i think around march and you know he told them like hey man i got my first contract 
Uh, it was four-year, $100 million contract. Chris got his first contract. It was five-year, $75 million. Uh, Eric Bledsoe got an extension last season. That was his second contract after his initial rookie contract. He's like, I understand how important that first contract is to somebody. So he's like, I was never going to tell him to take a discount. I was never going to do anything like that. I would have. He's like, I told him, if you stay in Milwaukee, we're going to win championships together. Like, that's how this is going to go. But I'm not going to try to dissuade you from going out and get the money that you deserve because you have to take care of yourself like this is this is a business you have to worry about your family you have to take care of your family uh and in doing that that means you got to get the right value for this contract so he's like it didn't bother me that Malcolm and his people were thinking about uh, how do we get that money? How do we get a better role? Like how do we do that and essentially increase his standing in the league? So he's like, I kind of understood it. He's like, obviously I wanted him back. And once it did go down, I figured out like, all right, how am I going to get Wesley Matthews? So he recruited him and gave him a phone call and got him there. How am I going to get Kyle Korver? Let's go to Santa Barbara. Let's what talk you have to do it. now in the NBA. He's you like, got to recruit your guys, especially in our markets. So Giannis had never done that before. So th- that was a fun story for me to write, but like they have largely just moved on after Malcolm, like just plug in Wesley. Uh, Wesley started. I think, Malcolm moving on has allowed Chris Middleton to fully take on the role of the number two player here in Milwaukee. I think last year it was always when Giannis comes out, Chris is in charge. Like we're going to stay here those two. So we know that Chris will be in charge. What has, what has happened this year is now when Giannis and Chris are on the floor together, Chris is the true number two. Last year was Giannis, Eric gets some. Malcolm gets some, Chris gets some, Brooke gets some. This year it is Giannis, and then Chris gets some. Everybody else can figure out how they're going to get theirs, but it's Giannis, and then it's Chris. And in those minutes, you've seen Chris really blossom, really grow, uh, because he's been good as a solo artist kind of in those minutes where Giannis is on the floor. He's been good in those minutes for, I mean, I think three or four years the numbers have been positive on that before this season. Those minutes with Giannis, him being the true number two when they share the floor together, I think has been really big for Chris's growth. So, really, they've just moved along, right along without Malcolm. But I do think a big part of it is Chris finally feeling like, yeah, I'm the number two. I'm I'm that guy because last year, I think it got kind of nebulous when Malcolm needed some shots, Eric needed some shots, Chris needed some shots, Brooke needed some shots. It's it's a little bit more clear this year. And now his utilization's up. He's the clear starting point guard, kind of the number two option. Once they can eventually get their lineup out there, because I think the thing I'm going to write here is this Pacer season is now becoming defined by injuries. It started that way with Victor. Then Malcolm continues to be in and out of the lineup. Um, T.J. Warren missed a couple of games. Almost everyone on this roster um, has missed games. And I'm curious, though, from, from covering Malcolm, what it, how did he respond to those injuries? And what I mean by that is, again, postgame tried to ask, you know, is this weighing on you? How are you feeling through it? And they just kind of played it off like so many different guys do, right, saying, you know, it, it comes with the territory and I do what I can. Where I, I, I'm trying to put myself in his shoes. I'm sitting there thinking, dude, this is miserable. I just want to play. And even when I am playing, I'm playing through three different injuries you don't even know about. But he's relented on opening up a little bit like that. Yeah, I mean, I think Malcolm's tough like that because when Jason Kidd was in town, he was not happy. He didn't like his role. He didn't like how Jason used him. And he would never say a word about it. Like, you didn't – you had no idea. 
last year when Mike Brunholzer came around, uh, <laughs> I actually remember this clearly. At the start of the year, we went out to Golden State, and I had a couple reporters from different outlets like ask Malcolm about the change in coaching and you know like what butt is men, and he just talked about how everyone knows their roles now. The game plan makes a lot more sense, like all this stuff. And they all looked at me and were like, that was crazy. Like he just threw Jason Kidd under the bus. And I was like, yeah, that's a Wednesday. Like that's like just like a normal day. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I've heard a variation of that quote 10 times already. So like Malcolm in the moment will never tell you, you know, what is actually weighing on him, how he actually feels. If, if it, if he is miserable right now, you're not going to know until maybe sometime next year when he'll talk to you about, yeah, you know, at the end of the year, it really stunk when my hip was whatever or, or whatever it may be. But the, it, only, the only thing we've gotten is in, after a couple of them, he goes, yeah, and I'm playing through things you guys don't even know about. Right. That's been the one thing that popped up where we're like, hmm, right. okay. So, like, Malcolm is very protective of, I think, kind of his privacy, but then also protective of himself like he's never going to give himself excuses he's never going to do anything like that uh he will not let you in unless you know he wants to to let you in to how he's thinking and often that oftentimes that comes in the next year so i would guess next year you will find out uh just how miserable uh he might have been uh in dealing with i mean you said this is the seventh different injury yeah uh this season i i i'm sure you will hear about it at that point there's been yeah there's been times where you just you gotta wonder when are you gonna lash out because i, I think that would be human nature um to do something like that and um i i think by explaining himself comes understanding and right now if you scroll through my twitter mentions of course it's injury prone this is why no one wants him which is all false last thing and then we'll get out of here curious latest with george hill how's he's fit with this an indie product um what's kind of been his role outside of just nailing threes at an incredible rate but right now he's he's missing time due to injury so i think what's been interesting with george is he shot 28 percent from the three-point line during the regular season last year as a buck he joined the team on December, I think, 10th, 28%. He was awful. He couldn't, he couldn't make a shot. He, and he was great defensively because he's a veteran. He understands how everything works. So he focused on that end. And this year, there was a time this season where he was literally shooting double, like 56%. From the three-point line. Uh, he at 51-ish yeah, right now. Yeah, so he's still up above 50. But, like, he had doubled his three-point percentage year over year, and it was just kind of insane. And, you know, I think he was so he was so big for the Bucks in the postseason last year when Eric Bledsoe kind of fell apart. He stepped up a little bit. He took over. They closed games with him, and he was just huge for them. And the Bucks made it a priority to bring him back. And I think there was maybe some question of, do you, do you really want to pay for, like, a, a playoff performance for a guy that old? Like, do you want to commit extra years to him? And, I mean, George Hill shut up anyone who thought that. Like, he has just been fantastic for him. He hits a bunch of threes. He understands the offense perfectly. It, I think – and I don't even know if there's anything underrated about George Hill at this point because I think everyone understands. We know what he is, is. yeah. And he, and he fits the, the culture in, in terms of the, the typical player, right? He has the length. He's a good defender. He accepts his role. And I, I was just going to say, 6'9 wingspan, you, you feel it in this Bucks scheme because they drop him and then the point guards top lock come over the top. And 
he just gets blocks from out of nowhere when you're shooting a pull-up jumper and you're like, this guy's nowhere close. And then all of a sudden, oh, yeah, he has 6'9 pterodactyl arms. And he just swats a shot. And like, I just think he's so tough. He's so smart. Uh, he's just been huge for this team. And honestly, I feel bad for him because uh, he missed some time right before the All-Star break. Um, and then I think Bucks fans were kind of curious, like, eh, you know, what's going on? To me, it was... I'm not going to say a sabbatical, but the the Bucks definitely knew, like, hey, George hasn't missed a game for us yet. We we don't really want him to play 82 and then add another 20 on the end of this. Uh, we need to get him some time off. And he had a little bit of a nick, and it was just like, all right, well, let's sit George out here for a little bit. So they sat George out. He came back. And then, I mean – I'm sick to my stomach, like thinking about the knee he took to the groin against the heat. Like that was <laughs> uncomfortable. It, it was, it was bad. Like it was a direct shot. Dragic really squared it up. Like it was Draymond Green type stuff. And I, I know speaking to George after the game, he wasn't happy about it. Uh, his groin did not feel good. Um, he didn't obviously want to talk about that on the record, but he was in some pain after the game. Uh, so when I saw, groin contusion and probable today i thought you know what he might just be out because uh he he took a shot there and i talking with him tonight he was not happy about it the league called it a flagrant one uh as they went through and you know changed it uh for a flagrant one on Dragic. but he was like what does that mean like that doesn't after the fact he's like he's like i still have pain he's like i'm still not playing tonight so what did that do for me? So uh, he's been fantastic. I would assume he'll be he'll be back and ready to go shortly, and he'll get back to doing all the stuff George Hill normally does. He's a curious guy. Doesn't follow sports much. You'll have to ask him about his horse that yeah. he had growing up. There's so many interesting things about him. And he's a guy, maybe it's a point guard thing, does not talk about injuries at all. No. Nope. He's the worst interview if you're asking him about what he's dealing with right now. <laughs> he, he's just a professional getting through it. He's been through this league for all these years. He knows what it's like. Yeah, no, he's he will give you nothing. He started in the Spurs culture, so he knows what that's all about. But, all right, we need to get out of here. Eric, appreciate you taking the time. Enjoy the rest of the season. I think you'll have a long season um, to come, but that makes it fun. It does. It does. Uh, I much prefer writing about playoff games than draft prospects. So I look forward to uh, hopefully a long playoff run from the Bucks, and they don't get tripped up or in any of the early rounds. That's Eric Name. You can read his coverage as well as mine at The Athletic. He covers the Bucks and is with them every step of the way. All right, I hope you enjoyed that interview from the road. And remember to follow the Pacers on The Athletic. That's where you can read my work. You can also listen to these podcasts as well. If you click on any one of my stories, there will be a special deal for you to sign up. It's probably 40% off the annual price and that's an incredible deal, about $30 a year to get coverage from the Pacers, from the NBA, from the Colts, and from your favorite team, even outside of the U.S. If you like the Premier League and much more, all that covered in this one price. Well, that will do it for this episode of the Fieldhouse Files. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for clicking the link and going on to the survey, and I'll talk to you again soon.